Welcome into the All Things Bama podcast powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated source for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I am your host, Tyler Martin, and joined with me today is Joey Blackwell, another staff writer from Bama Central. We are going to talk about all things related to Alabama athletics at the moment. And Joey, I want to dive into maybe the hottest issue right now. It's just, you know, Alabama athletics announced uh, earlier this week that they're going to launch their own personal uh, brand uh, called the advantage. So athletes are going to be able to, you know, learn about elevating their personal brand through this, um, through this thing called the advantage. And man, like, you know, if you were on the borderline about coming to Alabama at this moment, you see that you see the, the NIL, the NIL bill coming into effect July 1st. And you're just like, man, uh, how, how is Alabama not the place for you? Right. No, absolutely. It's going to give them, you know, when it first, when we first received the statement from uh, from Alabama Athletics in the in the in the, in the mail email earlier this week, you know, my gut reaction was, good grief, these guys are just always three steps ahead of everybody else, you know. And and with Kay Ivey, the the governor here in Alabama, signing the the bill for NIL that goes that does go into effect July first, this is going to do nothing but but help the players and the program. You know, when they released the statement, there was a reason that. Um, the statement highlighted um, how big of a presence the Alabama Athletics has on social media and the and the 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 sphere of influence that they have there. And um, this is really going to give the the athletes, you know, not only education um, regarding social media and you know building their brand, but also it's going to help give them the tools that they need to do so. And on top of that, you know, once you have that sphere of influence, you know, on social media, that's when endorsement deals start coming in, and you know, it just it just once again it goes to show how far Alabama athletics is ahead of the curve and um, and you know you're you're gonna start you're no doubt gonna start seeing other programs pop up across the nation that are emulating the advantage at Alabama and once again Crimson Tide is a trendsetter. Yeah, you're already saying it too. I mean, more schools are announcing their personal branding plans, but but yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be really fascinating to me. I think you know where this goes and where this all ends up. I mean. You know, uh, you look at it, okay, Bryce Young, maybe, uh, you know, John Mechie, obviously, uh, look on the defense, Malachi Moore, Will Anderson, uh, you know, some of those guys, they're going to be, they're making some money this year, right? Um, to me, I, I just, I think my only concern with it is, is where does the, where does maybe um, kind of some strife come in with some players who aren't getting money, you know, is there jealousy? Because that's just natural. That's just really natural for, for, for people, um, to, you know, to be jealous when other people are in the spotlight. And so I think to me, that's maybe my only concern. I'm all for, you know, players being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I'm all for that. Um, I think my – I'm just – I think I'm me. I'm just worried about uh, maybe the unintended consequence of, you know, uh, you know, a guy being super jealous over that and that affecting some strife in the locker room. It's just another thing that, you know, Coach Saban is, is going to have to deal with. it, And obviously he's the great adapter. He's He's been able to adapt to – the different things over the course of his long illustrious career but but I think this is going to be a new challenge and it, it's just going to be something that we've all got to get ready for and um you know because now hey you might pull up to to a, to a car dealership and you might have Bryce Young you know you know out there on, on an ad for her car dealership or shoot you know you might have uh Malachi Moore you know being a sponsor for for Canes Guthrie you know something just you, you know we, we might see some crazy things where where guys are um, you know, elevating their brand, right? I mean, that's the, that's the whole point of the advantage. And you, you want to be able to, um, you know, have the jumpstart 
um, you know, to, to the NFL in terms of the money that they're making and getting ready for, for, the, for the, just the, the media frenzy that is when they're in the NFL. Well, the team dynamic is certainly important. You know, that's that's one of my concerns as well heading into this. But another concern that I have is, look, the NCAA just needs to throw in the towel. They they fought this for so long, and now that you're starting to see, you know, state and local governments get involved, you know, it's it's gotten too way too dicey of a situation. But the one thing that I think in, the NCAA needs to throw in the towel and accept that this is going to happen. But one thing they need to do is they need to find a way to regulate this. And what I mean by that is. You, you need there. It, I think the most important thing is there needs to be a cap on how much athletes can make. Now, I want players to get paid and I want them to get rewarded for their for their NIL. But at the same time, if there's not a cap, you know, obviously the schools with the bigger brands highly benefit from that. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, you know, wonderful. That's really going to help your school out. But I'm really worried about you know, these smaller schools across the country that don't have as large of a sphere of influence and how it's going to affect their programs. If you're not, you know, if you could, if you're a highly touted recruit and, you know, you're recruited by, let's say, I don't know, let's say Tulsa, for example, you know, you might be able to sign some deals there, but not make near as much money as you would if you went to play for a team like Alabama or, 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 or you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, something like that. And so I really think that there needs to be some regulation on it just so that things don't get way too out of hand, out of hand. I do worry about the amateurism aspect of college athletics, but I think that's an argument for another day. Um, I just, I don't want to see, you know, I mean, highly touted recruits already go to the big schools, but you know, there are still some opportunities for small schools to get some good athletes and that raises the comp the competitiveness and the competition of the sport. So um, I really don't want these these massive schools with the potential to rake in millions of dollars for their athletes to have too big of an advantage on these small schools. So I think that's a need that needs to be addressed. But the NCAA needs to throw in the towel, admit that they've that, that they've lost this fight, and instead adapt and figure out ways to make sure that this is still an even playing field for everybody. For sure. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think, too, maybe, maybe you know, instead of strife, instead of division in the locker room, it, it motivates other players to say, okay, you know what, I, I'm going to um, do a lot better because I'm seeing the success that it's bringing this guy. Well, how about I need, I need, I need to boost my play up, right? So maybe it has a, a, a reverse effect on it um, rather than, you know, the, 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 uh, the division it could cause in a locker room. But, but again, I, I do think this is the right move. I do think um, we've shifted from, you know, uh, the ability to uh, for players just to kind of sit back and, um, you know, and, and only get a college education. I mean, I say only. It's not just that. It's just there's a lot more things that go into it because, you know, there's companies out there, you know, say there, there say there's an architect, uh, you know, an architectural student. And, hey, um, you know, they want to they want to make a lot of money. They're really good at what they do. Um, that architect company can come in and hire that, that student while that student still works. You know what I mean? Um, and make money for that uh, because they're a phenom at architecting, right? And, and, and you know, we, we all agree Will Anderson's a phenom. Why can't Will Anderson make his money? So <laughs> it's just um, – it, it, it's the right move. And I get there's, there's going to be, you know, a lot of backlash to this maybe um, for a lot of people in the southeast, I think, um, and maybe just in general, right? But um, this is what was coming. This has been in the works for a while now. And, and I just think, too, I just think, you know, in today's world, you just can't. 
the, the scholarship, the food, the dorm, it's just not enough, right? I mean, just for especially at Alabama, what what these players bring in, it's it's a lot of money, and now they're going to get their piece of the pie. And I, and I like I said, I think it's good all around. I just think um, I think for a lot of old school fans, it's gonna it's gonna take a second to kind of get used to to realize that oh yeah, Bryce Young was just on that on the TV for a car dealership or you know stuff like that. That's just gonna take some getting used to for them. No, I agree. It's it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains across the country, um, and there's no there's a lot of things that you can predict with this situation, but there's also even more that you can't predict and and how they're going to need to be addressed. But fortunately for Crimson Tide fans, and you know Alabama has proven a lot, um, especially over the past couple of years, that they're very um, well equipped to adapt to situations. So I have no doubt that Alabama. Once these added, once these problems arise, Alabama will be one of the first to iron out the kinks. Yeah, um, very exciting stuff on the pipeline. And you know who else is going to benefit from the advantage now, Joey? And that's Ohio State wide receiver Jamison Williams. Alabama picks up a big transfer earlier this week, and uh, to a to wide receiver room that that's really going to need some extra help this year after losing the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith, a first-round pick, and Jalen Waddle. So they get Jamison Williams, whose career average in yards per catch is is nearly 18 yards. Uh, he's, you know, he, he, he's, he was, I mean, Ohio State's wide receiver room was super loaded. I get why he wanted to leave, but he's got that speed. He's a former track star. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be an instant impact guy, and thanks to the NCAA's transfer waiver, he's going to be eligible immediately. Yeah, he's going to. I think he's going to do a lot. You know, one of the one of the things we talked about heading into spring football was the wide receiver room. Of course, you know, last season, you know, or the season before last, he stole the departure of Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Of course, after this season, you lose Devontae Smith and and Jalen Waddle. So this wide receiver room, for the first time in a while, looked like outside of John Mechie, there was going to be room for for some guys to step up. And, you know, Williamson really brings that um, to Alabama. You know, I mean, he didn't have a lot of playing time, but at Ohio State, you know, he only had caught 15 passes for um, 266 yards, and I think he had three touchdowns there. And um, But, you know, this is a guy that – well, he didn't succeed, not because he didn't have – it wasn't be, it wasn't because he didn't um, – wasn't a good player. It's just because they had a crowded wide receiver room. He didn't have a lot of opportunities there. At Alabama, he'll get those opportunities this year. And uh, it, it, his addition really elevates, you know, that wide receiver room. And on top of that, it really just goes to show how with this immediate eligibility um, and, and no need for a waiver that the NCAA has now instituted, how that's going to benefit big programs like Alabama. Yeah, I mean, too, I mean, I don't think it's being talked about enough that Alabama at the beginning of the summer just went out and added a potential starter. I mean, you look at that wide receiver room. I mean, we mentioned John Mechie, you know, he, he was out this spring with an injury. And then, you know, Slade Bolden. Uh, and then you have, really, uh, Treshawn Holden, Javon Baker, Jai Hall, who performed well in the A-Day game, Christian Leary, who's, who didn't play, Ja'Cory Brooks, who didn't play in the A-Day game. Both of those guys didn't. And then JoJo Earl, who will be a summer enrollee. But the reality is, is that if you can get a good player, if you can get a player who can benefit you, you do whatever it takes to get that player, right? And that's kind of what Coach Saban's mentality is. And and Jamison Williams is going to be a guy that that is going to be an impact player. I mean, from day one, I really do believe that. And uh, and I don't I don't think a lot of people are making you know you making noise that this is a guy Alabama added during a summer month, right? And now he's gonna be able to play. And that's just that should be scary for for college football fans that 
that a player of his talent, his ability can just be like, hey, I'm going to go play at Alabama now. Uh, see you, Columbus. See you, Ryan Day. See you, Ohio State. And, I mean, knowing Pat's an eye and, he, you know, he's going to be ready and he's kind of the next one up because Nick Saban, too, you know, and back in March, he talked about it. We need sp- speed guys. We need guys who have a lot of speed because speed kills on the highway. And now they have it. Um, and they've got a kind of good mixture with a Jai Hall who's about 6'3". You know, Ja'Cory Brooks is 6'3". Larry's a fast guy. Holden's big and physical. So they've kind of got a good match now of, of you know, guys who've got size and speed. Um, but but overall, I mean, this is – I mean, this was a really good play by Alabama here to get him. And, uh, and like I said, I would not be shocked to see him at wide receiver two or wide receiver three. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, back to, you know, <clears throat> I know – when the immediate eligibility thing, you know, first came about, there were some Alabama fans that were concerned um, about, oh, well, Alabama could lose all these players now and, you know, anybody can go anywhere. And, you know, then Nick Saban came in and one of the first things he said when he was asked about it was talking about how he didn't expect to see any, you know, any talented players transfer from Alabama. And uh, it could only, you know, and it could only benefit the Crimson Tide. And that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, you do have some players transfer, like, you know, Brandon Turnage, the, 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 the excuse me, the defensive back is currently in the portal. Um, but once again, you know, Turnage didn't have very, he didn't play very much and is looking for opportunities elsewhere. And that's understandable. So you don't have a high profile player entering the portal. Um, Jameson, I, I think, is one of the highest profile players that you'll see into the portal this, this offseason. Um, as far as football is concerned, but um, still just, you know, once again, you know, the rich get richer. No doubt about it, Joey, no doubt. Um, and then quickly too, let's go to the hardwood because it's been a minute since we talked about Alabama basketball, you know, we had NFL draft um, and then I've had, you know, different couple guests on the last couple of Fridays. Um, but I do want to talk about basketball. So Jaden Shackford and Josh Primo, they are going to test the waters for the NBA draft and the in the in the day that they have to withdraw their name, the latest date they can withdraw their name from uh from that is July nineteenth. So we've got a little bit of time, about two and two, a little over two months. Um, Coach Oates uh, before the pro am on Wednesday at the Tradition up in Grace at Greystone in Birmingham said that he doesn't expect anyone else to declare for or to test the waters. Um, you know, but but he thinks that there's a good shot that both of those guys come back. And that was kind of my thinking, too, and just from what I've been hearing, you know, that, that you know, it's, it's all – this is all about getting feedback. This is all about seeing, you know, what um, – where do they need to improve? Where do they need to get better at in order to uh, become better players and ultimately end up there one day? Because, you know, Shackford's going to be going into his junior year. Primo's going to be going into his sophomore year. So, so they've still got, a, you know, a few years of eligibility. And even with uh, the, the waiver year, they have an extra year, right, because of COVID. So – um, they still got some college eligibility, you know, uh, you know, up their sleeves. But, you know, if they come back, you know, they're, I mean, that's wow. You're getting your leading scorer back in Jane Shackelford. You're getting a really talented wing and, and Josh Primo back who can really defend and really came on strong after that injury um, in the SC tournament, played really well against Maryland, um, played good to start the game against UCLA, uh, didn't hit some shot late, but, but, that, but that's all right. That's neither here nor there. Um, and then, too, I mean, we haven't really talked about this much, but, I mean, just – what they were able to do in the transfer portal, getting a Namari Burnett, getting a Noah Gurley. I mean, the, I mean, this this roster right now. You look at it from top to bottom; it's loaded in every in every part of it. <clears throat> Absolutely, you know. And going back to the NBA draft, you know, I, I forget whose projections I saw, but um, they were projecting both Javon Quinterly and um, 
and <clears throat> and Josh Green will be first round draft picks in the 2022 draft, not this year's draft, but next year's draft. And I think stuff like that is what's going to encourage, you know, both Primo and Shackelford to come back. Quinterly, of course, never entered the, the NBA draft. He was expected to, but um, evidently never did. Um, but, you know, I think stuff like that, you know, more projections come like that. You know, these players are going to see the benefit of coming back for one more year to prove themselves to get that higher draft stock. Now, talking about, you know, the team overall, um, yes, out, you know, Oates and Hodgson and, and Petway just keep, you know, impressing year in and year out with who they're able to bring in. Namari Burnett was a huge addition and filling in a lot of gaps, you know, and uh, I, I'm just really excited to see this team this next year. You know, it's there's I see a lot of traveling in, 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 in our, in you and my future next year, traveling to more road games than we did this past season, uh, especially if Alabama can, you know, be off to a hot streak and SEC play like they were able to do in 2021. So, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And, and this team, you know, was so much fun to watch last year. And I think they're just only going to be um, better this next year. And, you know, you're starting to see this team be already, obviously the projections are way too early, but you're already starting to see people project them in the final four. A couple people even have them winning it all next year, um, making it to the lead eight as well. And it just goes to show, you know, you can't, you and I can't talk enough about Nate Oates and what he's done for Alabama. And it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, and to, I mean, the issue, you know, obviously going to the road games, things like that, COVID for basketball affected. I think in terms of that, it affected basketball the most in terms of press, things like that, um, mm. especially trying to get there during the week. But um, even even the season before that, I, I remember, you know, uh, being on the road, going to a lot of different games in the SEC. And that was, that, I mean, that was when Alabama obviously was 16 and 15, 500, right? Mm. Um, and, and I think this year you look at it, I mean, I just I, I don't get the I don't get the the idea that the SEC is wide open as everybody makes it out to believe. Like for example, LSU, yes, they've LSU has added some nice pieces and they're potentially on the cusp of even adding more pieces in the transfer portal. And there might even be a five star uh, reclassifying who 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 might go to LSU, right? Kentucky obviously reloads. Auburn's added some good pieces, but until you until the rest of the SEC knocks off Alabama and knocks off Arkansas, I think it's those two teams. Um, conference to lose. I really do. I think, uh, you know, just how talented the guard play is going to be for Alabama, um, especially with J.D. Davison and Javon Quinterly playing in the same backcourt. I mean, that is – I just don't know who's stopping that. With what defense are you, you throwing at these guys that's going to stop them? I just don't see that happening. And so until a team can knock off Alabama, until a team can beat Arkansas consistently, I just – I think – I see those being the two top dogs. And I just don't get this idea that, that the SEC is so wide open as it is. Maybe it's because people think what happened last year with Alabama was a fluke. It, I certainly don't think it is. You certainly don't think it is. We understand that that why Alabama's style works is because it's NATO's system. It's the it's the run and gun. It's the threes. It's the you know it's the defense. It's the blue collar. It's the blue collar toughness. It's all of those things. But I, I just I just don't get the idea of this being a wide open conference to start out 2021 because um, Alabama. I mean, shoot, Joey, they made we're 16 and two. They were 16 and two. They lost to Missouri and they lost to Arkansas. You know, Arkansas was what, 14 and four? They were either 14 or four, 15 and three. I can't remember the exact number of the record. I think it was 14 and four. Um, again, they lost to Alabama. You know, one of their losses with Alabama. Uh, obviously, Arkansas split that series, but but I just I just think, man, you know, Alabama right now has kind of got the inside track. So does Arkansas. I mean, they're able to use the transfer portal really, really well. And I also like how NATO builds this roster. 
you know, he it's like a mix of, okay, JUCO guys like Keon Ellis, James Roas, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to go out and get, you know, the big, big, um, you know, five stars, J.D. Davison, um, and then the transfers, Namari Burnett, Noah Gurley, Quinley was a transfer. So, so I like the, the the mix and mesh of, of how he builds this roster as well. Oh, yeah, he's definitely great at, you know, at finding different puzzle pieces and putting them together to form a picture and an image of what he wants for the program. Um, and it's certainly worked out well for him so far. I'm in, I'm in agreement with you um, as far as um, I, people are saying this is going to be a wide open conference. They were saying that before last year too, um, though, as well. But Kentucky was also projected to finish in the top three in the conference, and obviously that didn't happen. So what do we know? You know, we're just the media. <laughs> um, but um, I, I do think it is Alabama or Arkansas's conference to lose again next year. Um, Arkansas was just wildly successful that, you know, people talk a lot about Alabama and how they came out of nowhere, but the same could be said about Arkansas and what Eric Musselman has done there. Um, and, uh, I, but you are going to have, I think you are going to have more talented teams. I mean, LSU was already talented last year, but they're doing a lot of work in the portal and, and they have a great class coming in. So they're going to be good. You have Kentucky, um, Tennessee should be once again, good. Um, Auburn, I think, um, will be improved, um, over how they were last year. Um, but just, you know, just another exciting season coming up. And, you know, um, I'm, as a big college, if you're a big SEC college basketball fan, pay attention to SEC because it's, it's, it's nowadays, it's just must watch basketball every weekend. No doubt about it. And, and too, I mean, Auburn will obviously be a threat. I mean, the, the guys they have coming in, uh, you look at the Kessler kid from North Carolina, Jabari Smith. I mean, they're going to be really solid. And, and basketball in the state of Alabama is going to be, exciting uh in 2021 2022 joey also you know i mentioned we're gonna talk about everything really with alabama athletics right now let's hit on this baseball is coming off of a big sweep of missouri now they're going on the road to face vanderbilt and it's like okay you know you just got all this momentum and now you're going to face the number two team in the country and you got to go against jack Leiter on friday night and potentially kumar rocker on friday or excuse me on saturday afternoon and the road certainly is not easy in Nashville, but what's the best case scenario for the Crimson Tide against the Cavaliers? I think the best. I think the best opportunity for Alabama is um, if they can get some run production behind Dylan Smith on the mound. I think they can pull off at least one victory up in Nashville. I think that's their best opportunity. I think it's a possibility. Um, Dylan Smith has been pitching lights out lately. I think he can limit the Vanderbilt offense. Now that being said, Vanderbilt's still going to produce runs because they have one of the best offenses in the country. But I think that that's really Alabama's one and only opportunity. Now, some positive news for the Crimson Tide. They are currently finally projected to make a regional, according to Baseball America. They're currently projected to play their regional in Lubbock, Texas, against Texas Tech, Stanford, um, and Northeastern. Um, and it's it's really, you know, this, this Alabama baseball team hasn't made an SEC tournament since 2016. Obviously, 2020 doesn't really count because the season was ended prematurely, but um, – they still haven't made it since 2016, and right now Alabama's ranked eighth in the conference. Um, so, uh, barring an absolute collapse and a and a and a surge of other teams moving up, Alabama's going to make that SEC tournament. Um, it's you know this has been a this has been an odd season. You know you have a lot of players that you know came back with an extra year of eligibility, not at Alabama per se, but at other programs and. Um, it, it's definitely been an interesting year, but it's good to see Alabama baseball, you know, finally kind of get on track. You know, Chase Lee has been lights out for Alabama in, in the closing spot. He's six and zero. He also has six saves. He's an ERA of, I believe, one point three three right now. So he's pitching really well. And 
Um, this offensive production has really stepped up lately. You know, you have Sam Prater's doing well. Diodati is Diodati uh, had a slump, but he's recently kind of turned it around a little bit. Of course, you have Peyton William, Peyton Wilson, Drew Williamson's doing well. Zane Denton has been one of the most consistent batters all season in the box. Um, just a lot of positive, you know, it seems like every time I conclude something is that I'm talking positives, but there really is a lot of positives in album athletics right now. And this baseball team is one of them. Um, they're, you know, they're probably not going to win the conference and they're, you know, probably not going to do um, advance too far in a regional, but as far as progress on years prior, they've definitely taken a step forward this year. Yeah. I'm looking at the standings right now. And I mean, all, obviously Auburn had so many issues this year. I mean, they just, they lost. I mean, nine of their like seventeen losses in the conference play have been by one run. Uh, they just. I mean, they've been. You know, they've been out of sorts really. And it looks like you know it's it's either it's Auburn and then a battle between A and M and Missouri as to as to who is going to be the two teams that miss out on, on Hoover in the SEC tournament. Um, and, and because Missouri and A and M both have a five and sixteen record right now, but there's three weekends to go. And Alabama, obviously, they're they're a lot to get the SEC tournament for sure. I mean, they would need Auburn to and Missouri to 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 win every to win every game, and Alabama to lose every game. Now, Alabama's schedule is tough, right? I mean, the Vanderbilt series, then the, going to the Alex Box, um, which is another classic venue in college baseball, to face the LSU Tigers, and then Mississippi State, right? So, I think what I think what could be the best case scenario for Alabama is to get one from Vandy, two out of three from LSU. And then one for Mississippi State. That, that's what that that's four. That's four and five. You finish your you finish your year. Your final nine four and five. That's pretty darn good against those three teams. Yeah, and if you finish the season four and five, that puts you right at five hundred in league play, which for Alabama would be a huge win. If you can finish this year at five hundred, that's that's saying something positive about the momentum of the program and. Um, I think I you know winning one against Vanderbilt is certainly possible. Like I said with Dylan Smith. Um, I think pulling two against LSU is, is definitely possible. Um, you, they might even be able to sweep down there, but I think that might be a little bit too far-fetched, but they can definitely win two. Winning one against Mississippi State is also going to be tough, though. You know, Mississippi State's a top-five team. They're really, really, really good, um, as they always are. Um, but, you know, oddly enough, Arkansas is, is top of the, of the division, but um, Mississippi State is just another really good team. But um, really, you know, Arkansas is number one overall for a reason. Um, but it's, yeah, a really tough way to close out the end of the year um, for Alabama baseball. But at the same time, I mean, it's still, you know, leaps and bounds above what it was just a few short seasons ago. And look, uh, you kind of look at, I'm real quick, I'm going to pull up the bracket here because like if Alabama is still in the bubble after these next three weekends, you know, they could, they could, I mean, the good news is the SC baseball tournament's double elimination. So you're going to have two chances to pick up two more wins at least, at least, um, to, to, to really, you know, you know, solidify your resume and really have an opportunity um, to get into um, the SEC regionals. And I'm, I'm hopefully this can pull us up real quick because I think if Alabama, let's see, let's see, they would, they would be the eight seed right now. Okay. So they play, they would play that Tuesday and then they would play, they would play the one seed. So they would probably end up playing Arkansas, or, uh, or Vanderbilt, whatever happens to them. So that's not, you know, that's obviously tough sledding. Say you lose that, um, you're bumped down to, uh, you know, the, the, the Thursday game, right? The two, the two o'clock afternoon um, where you're going to face, you know, the four seed, things like that. So, so, you know, it's not really favorable to play Arkansas or Vanderbilt 
um, if you win your first game, right? I mean, that's kind of – that's just the way the SEC is, right? Because you could say that really for anybody. You know, Old Miss, Mississippi State, really good teams. But I think if Alabama can just avoid going 0-2 in Hoover, along with getting a few wins over these last couple weekends, that will put them in a really good spot. The point is, you got to get at least one win, I think, in Hoover, too. No, I agree. And I, I think that, you know, this this Arkansas team, though, we have to remember, this is an Arkansas team that Alabama proved was proved wasn't perfect. I mean, in their first matchup this year, Alabama went to Arkansas and beat them 16 to one in the first matchup. Now, of course, that was our, you know, Arkansas fans would probably say, oh, well, Arkansas wasn't as prepared for SEC play because, of course, they went on a tear after that. Um but still, Alabama did prove that they can beat Arkansas, and they can beat them pretty handily. So, obviously, I think this Arkansas team has improved since then. Um, they've definitely gotten their, you know, they've definitely figured out their identity, and and they're obviously the best team in the country right now, number one overall. But um, th- that being said, Alabama proved that they can beat them. So, if they prove that they can beat them, they can definitely beat them again. And if they could get that first-round victory against a high-seeded opponent – um it's it's look out for Alabama's momentum heading into the rest of the of the bracket yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun it is going to be a lot of fun baseball back in Hoover for the SC tournament Uh, it's gonna be a blast um Joey thanks for coming on here today just talking all about Alabama athletics the advantage what what the impact of Jamison Williams will do basketball and then obviously baseball as well um super fired up about the summer it's going to be a good time I appreciate you coming on here. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, that's Joey Blackwell. I'm Tyler Martin. This has been another edition of the All Things Bama podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe on on whatever platform you get your podcast. Thank you, and have a great weekend.